You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We've got a lot of football talk. i got a lot more statistics for you. We're going to talk about some firings in the NFL. We're going to talk about NFL totals again. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Cowboys and their history ever since they last won the Super Bowl, how bad they've been in the postseason. We're going to talk about college coaches going to the NFL and how awful they have been. And then we're still going to talk a little college football, wrap up uh, some Georgia stuff, the fact that Stetson Bennett is literally older than five quarterbacks are going to be starting in the NFL playoffs this season, and uh, talk a little bit more about the college football playoff and does this blowout of TCU change anything in terms of my opinion of what's going to be happening starting in 2024. So we'll get to that momentarily. All right, let's get started. I did want to talk about the fact that there were already a couple firings in the NFL head coaching ranks. Cliff Kingsbury was let go by the Arizona Cardinals. Lovey Smith let go by the Texans. I briefly touched on that Texans game this past Sunday where it was just like, Lovey, all you had to do was lose and your team had the number one pick next year. But maybe Lovey kind of did a reverse on all of us and said, look, I know I'm getting fired. I want to screw this team because I know they're firing me after this game. I'm going to try and win. And I'm going to cost them their number one pick because I know they're firing me. Is it possible that's what Lovey had in mind? Because it really, really made no sense. You jump out to a lead, that's fine. But then you fall behind 31-24 with three minutes left. You have the ball at your own 20. You need an 80-yard drive, and all you got to do is get stopped at some point in that drive. Ball game over. Texans have the number one pick in the NFL draft next year or this this upcoming April. But no, Lovey puts together a drive. They somehow score on fourth and 20. Then they say, screw it, we're going for two. They get that. It's just unbelievable that he did that and cost them a number one pick. And maybe that's why they fired him, and maybe that's why he tried to win. I have no idea, but it is kind of comical because I don't think we've ever seen that. Teams that have the number one pick going into the final week of the season that all they needed to do was lose, I don't know what the statistic is. I probably should have looked it up if someone even keeps that statistic, but I can't imagine many of them won and cost themselves the number one pick. And if they did... I would but I would venture to guess it was a game where they were winning the whole game and they won by double digits or something like that. Not in the manner that Houston did. As for uh, Cliff Kingsbury, he's always been an interesting guy and this this has been floating around for years and maybe if if you're not a diehard fan you wouldn't know this about Cliff Kingsbury, but he is awful in the second half of seasons wherever he's been. He's been a head coach. He was a head coach at Texas Tech in college for six years, and he's been head coach of the Cardinals for six years. Or, sorry, four. So he's been a head coach for 10 years, 10 consecutive years. Started in 2013, never took a break, ended in 2022. So 10 seasons, six at Tech, four with the Cardinals. In the first seven games of every season he has coached, he is 21 games over 500, 45 and 24. I'm just going to rip through these. Starting at Texas Tech, seven and zero, three and four, five and two, three and four, four and three, five and two. That's how he started in his first seven games at Tech for the six years he was there with the Cardinals. Three, three and one, five and two, seven and zero, three and four this year. The rest of the season, Cliff Kingsbury is eighteen and fifty-four. This isn't a small sample size, people. 
10 years, he's never had a winning record in the back half of his season wherever he's been. Here are the six records he had at Texas Tech in the rest of the season. So in a, in a college season, 12 games, if he played a bowl game, um, it included that as well. Started 7-0 and at Tech, finished 1-5. and Started three and four, finished one and four. Started five and two, finished two and four. Started three and four, finished two and three. Started four and three, finished two and four. Started five and two, finished zero oh and five. <laughs> Eighteen and fifty-four. Now we go to the pros. Cardinals started three, three and one in his first year with them. Finished two and seven. Second year started five and two. Finished three and six. Twenty twenty-one Cardinals. We know how good they were last year. Started seven and zero. Oh, finished four and seven. And then this year, started three and four, halfway decent, finished one and nine. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how this guy ever gets hired again. Like, look, he's a great offensive mind. I'm sure he'd make a great O coordinator in college. But how can you put this guy as a head coach with 10 years on his resume where the guy never finished the season, whether it was five or six games in college or the back half of an NFL season? of nine games never had an over 500 record. And in most cases, like totally shit the bed. So he's going to get hired. He's going to be a coach. Some school in college will, will probably give him a head coaching gig, but I hope they're aware of that stat because that's pretty crazy. I talked yesterday about my NFL's totals bet I made at the beginning of the season. I always do totals bets for NBA and NFL. I rarely do it for baseball. I just... My, my interest in baseball, as I will watch it throughout the season, it just wanes so much because I just it's just fallen behind. It's very boring and very slow. I'd rather go to a game than actually watch it on TV, and even that's kind of boring. <laughs> I'm on my phone a lot when I'm at a baseball game. But I'll always do total wins in NFL and college football and NBA. And like I said, I went 5-2 and two in college. I went 3-2 and two in pro, and... I did see, because I was curious, we've never really had a season where two teams didn't play the same amount of games as the rest of the league. And when you put a bet in, especially a totals bet, it always says, whether you put it in online or you go to a window in Vegas, it will always say this is dependent that the full season is played. That in college football, college football totals don't include bowl games. It's your 12 regular season games. That's what they set the over-under win total at. But it'll always say, all 12 games have to be played. Same with the NFL. 17 games have to be played for the, your bet to count, for your count bet to register. However, the Bills and the Bengals only played 16 games, but they had already reached their over in those 16 games, and Vegas did the right thing, and they honored anybody's bets. If you bet the Bills and Bengals over win total, and they both went over, I mean, look, look at this way. They went over in 16 games, so it shouldn't even have mattered, and Vegas did the right thing, but sometimes Vegas will screw people and be like, no, it says in our you know rules and regulations 17 games have to be played, but if you bet an over and it went over in 16 games, it shouldn't matter, and it didn't to Vegas, so I appreciate the fact that Vegas did that for people. I didn't have the Bills or Bengals over, but they did take care of that. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, as we know, on the road at Tampa Bay on Monday night on ESPN ABC. And one of the reasons why The Bachelor is starting later this year because of this playoff game that's going to be on ABC on Monday night. I don't know if people know this, but the Dallas Cowboys have been awful 
since their last Super Bowl win. They have four total playoff wins in the last 26 years, yet they are the number one franchise in all of sports. It is pretty amazing to think that. They are the number one franchise in all of sports, if you go by the Forbes list. And they haven't won a Super Bowl in 26 years. And you know what's worse than that? Dallas Cowboys haven't even gotten to an NFC championship game since their last Super Bowl win. You know how many teams in the NFC haven't even reached the NFC championship in 26 years? Two. Cowboys and Lions. They're the only two. Every other team in the NFC has at least reached the NFC championship game. And a couple times, the Dallas Cowboys were the number one seed in the NFC. So if you're the number one seed in the NFC under the old playoff rules, hell, even under the new ones, do you realize what you have to do to get to the NFC championship game? You have to win one home game, and you're in the NFC championship because you get a bye that first week. So your first game is the divisional round. You win that, you're in the NFC championship. And the Cowboys haven't done that in 26 years. Remember I told you yesterday I bet the Cowboys under win total 10 because they had not won back-to-back double-digit wins in a season since the early 90s. It had been a very long time, 26 years. And they did it this year, so I lost my bet. They won 12 games for the second year in a row. Amazing. Do you know the last coach to take the Cowboys to the playoffs in back-to-back seasons? That's it. Just take them to the playoffs two seasons in a row. That hasn't been done in 25 years. Chan Gailey was the last head coach to take the Cowboys to the playoffs in back-to-back seasons. Another ridiculous stat. But that's why they're America's team somehow... They just rake in money and, you know, they call themselves America's team. And yeah, I'm very well aware of Cowboy Nation and all the Cowboys fans all across the United States. I think a lot of them are pretty, have their head buried in the sand because these are all facts. These aren't opinions about the team like, hey, your team sucks and you guys can't win in the playoffs. Those are facts. (laughs) You've won four playoff games in 26 years. You haven't been in the NFC Championship in 26 years. Only one of two teams in the NFC to even do that. You haven't had back-to-back winning seasons of 10 wins or more in 26 years until this year. You haven't had a back-to-back playoff appearance by the same head coach in 26 years. I mean, (laughs) but that's why. It's just, it's a coin flip when you get them in the playoffs. I mean, now they're in the playoffs. Everybody's zero and zero. We'll see what happens with them. Now, one thing that I mentioned about NFL playoffs and my opinion regarding home field, I had told you, hey, I'm fine with guaranteeing yourself a playoff spot by winning your division. I have no problem with that, but I don't think that you should be guaranteed a home game. I think it should go to the team with the better record. I would tend to adjust my opinion on that. I don't think you should get a home game if you finish war- if you win your division and finish worse than 500. So, in that case, no, I don't think um the Bucks should have a home game against the Cowboys. The Cowboys are 12 and 5, the Bucks are 8 and 9. 
in that situation, in my new adjusted theory, no. The Bucks shouldn't be hosting a playoff game just because they won their division. They finished under 500. No, you shouldn't be rewarded for that. You should be rewarded by getting a playoff bid, but not a home game. You take it to the AFC, and that's where I looked at it. I'm like, you know what? Jacksonville finished 9-8. and eight. The Chargers are 10-7. and seven. Under my old theory, the Chargers should have hosted that game because I said the team with the better record should get a home game. But because they were one game better, no. But if the Jaguars finished 8-9 and nine and won the AFC South, I don't think they should have gotten a home game. But they're 9-8. and eight. Chargers are 10-7. and seven. They were one game better. So I have no problem with Jacksonville hosting that home game. I just want to adjust my opinion to division winner with an under 500 record. That should not get you a home game. Should just get you into the playoffs because you won your division. There's a theory going around, and we've got two matchups this weekend that are divisional matchups. I'm sorry, actually, there's um, three. Three of them. Three of the six games this weekend are two teams that are in the same division. And I know, um, uh, but two of them fit under a certain category, and that's this notion that, oh, man, it's so hard to beat a team three times in one year. Well, since the playoffs were expanded, there's been 22 instances where a team beat their division foe both times in the regular season and then had to play them in the playoffs. And do you know what that team's record is? That was 2-0 and versus them during the season in the playoffs? 14-8. and So to say, oh, you can't beat a team three times in one season or it's really hard, actually, no, it isn't really. They're 14-8 and against them. And the two instances where that applies this week is the 49ers beat the Seahawks twice this year and the Bills beat the Dolphins. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, actually, no. The Niners-Seahawks is the only one where it takes effect um, this weekend because the Bills and the Dolphins split their season series 1-1 and so did the Bengals and Ravens. So it doesn't apply to either of those games, but it does apply to the San Francisco and Seattle game because San Francisco beat them twice this year. Like I said, there's always been this notion that, oh, you can't beat a team three times in one year, and statistics say otherwise. Statistics say it happens almost two-thirds of the time if you get that third game against them in the playoffs and you beat them twice in the regular season, 14-8. and eight. And I think we all think the Niners are going to beat the Seahawks on Saturday. So... That's going to move to 15-8, and eight, which almost puts us right at two-thirds. So keep that in mind when you are looking over uh, this weekend's games. Moving on to college football, I, I didn't spend enough time talking about the game because there was much of a game on Monday night, the College Football National Championship. We know that Georgia blew out the TCU Horn Frogs. But one thing that I did want to talk about, and not the game itself, there's nothing to break down X's and O's wise. Georgia was a dominant team. If they played them 10 times, they would beat them 10 times. And they would not beat them 65-7 all 10 times, but I would say all 10 times, minimum two or three touchdown win. They just have better athletes all across the field, and they schemed better, and TCU just isn't on that level just yet. There's Georgia, there's Alabama, and there's pretty much everyone else. You can put Ohio State probably a level behind them just because they don't play as good a defense, but offensively, they can you know, score with anybody, as evidenced the fact that they put up 41 points against Georgia 10 days ago. 
But Kirby Smart, since taking over Georgia, I mean, you got to give you, you got to give credit to the fact that you know when he took over, they were basically Alabama's whipping boy. I believe he was zero and four against Alabama. He had that crazy loss in the national championship game in his second year, the one where Tua replaced Jalen Hurts at halftime and led them to a national championship as a as a true freshman. That was a gut punch. And but you look at what Kirby Smart has done. The guy's 81 and 15 in 7 years at Georgia. 81 and 15. He's got back-to-back national championships. He's 8 and 2 in bowl games including 6 and 0 oh in his last 6. Like he's building a juggernaut there. And his first season he was 8 and 5. You take away that first season, he's 73 and 10. With only one season of more than two losses since 2017. He went 11 and 3 in 2018. But look at his conference records over the last, since 2017. Obviously, the first season with Georgia, you know, 8 and 5, 4 and 4 in the SEC. But ever since then, this has been his SEC conference record 7 and 1, 7 and 1, 7 and 1, 7 and 2, 8 and 0, 8 and 0. 48 and 9, but you take away that 4 and 4 first season. He's 44 and 5 in conference. Like that's Alabama dominance. And you look at the recruiting statistics, you look at all those the amount of players he's putting into the NFL. Hell, his whole defense from last year is in the NFL this year. They had to replace their whole defense this year and look what they did. I just all the credit in the world to Kirby Smart and I think it's got to feel a little bit sweeter for Georgia fans. I know you Georgia fans once he took over were were hopeful but when you took those four beatings at the hands of Alabama, not in the score, but just the fact that you know you felt you were there, you felt like you could compete with them, you were leading in a couple of those games and just kept losing, and you're 0-4, you probably had some doubt, like, shit, are we ever going to beat Saban? And not only that, you are now the top of the mountain for two years in a row. And only Nick Saban has only won back-to-back titles once at Alabama. Granted, he's got, I believe, six total. But he's only won back-to-back once, and Kirby has now done it in his seventh season. So I have no dog, so to speak, (laughs) uh, in this fight. I have no ties to the SEC. I have no ties to Georgia. I just appreciate greatness. And I, and I really am impressed uh, with what they've built at Georgia. And because I just remember back in college and the early two thousands, Georgia was just the perennial, you know, good team, but never great. Would never get over that hump. Would never play for the national championship. They were always, you know, Mark Richt would have them nine and three, ten and two. Maybe he'd throw in an eleven and one season, but they, you know, they never got to the national championship game. Off the top of my head, you know, in the two thousands with Richt there, and Kirby Smart has turned the corner, and they are now a juggernaut. They are, like I said, it's Georgia, Alabama, and everybody else. Ohio State probably a little step below those two, and then it's everybody else. And as for the quarterback, Stetson Bennett, it's amazing what he has done. The guy's 25 years old. He is older than five quarterbacks who would be starting in the NFL playoffs this weekend. He's older than Jalen Hurts. He's older than Trevor Lawrence. He's older than Justin Herbert. He's older than Brock Purdy, and he's older than Tua, who probably isn't playing, but he would be the starter for the Miami Dolphins if he didn't have concussion issues. 
It's pretty amazing. So I didn't even know. I was like, how is he 25 in the quarterback of Georgia? And I totally forgot this because I didn't. he didn't really come onto the scene for me until three years ago. But he started his college career in 2017. He was a walk-on his freshman season, didn't play the whole season, and then he transferred to Jones County Junior College. In 2018, he played at Jones County Junior College. He was going to go to uh, Louisiana Lafayette. I think they're just called the University of Louisiana now. Go play for the Ragin' Cajuns, but they... Um, Justin Fields transferred to Ohio State, so Georgia asked him back, gave him a scholarship. He was their second stringer. So in 2019, he backed up Jake Fromm, and then in 2020, his junior season, uh, he he started as a backup, and then he played, but then JT Daniels took over the gig, and then going into last season, he wasn't even the starter. It was JT Daniels. And then... JT Daniels went down with an injury, and Bennett played the rest of the season and led them to a national championship, and then he played again this season. So I believe the reason he got to play all those seasons was because, well, 2017 didn't count as a playing season, and then he went to a junior college and played. So technically, his college career didn't start until 2019. His playing career didn't start until 2019, and... He was already he had already been in college for two years, so that's why he's so old. And he used his you know anybody that was playing college sports in the year twenty twenty was allowed to stay an extra year because of the COVID year. So that's how he's twenty five. But it's a hell of a story. Twenty nine and three, two national championships, won his last I don't know whatever it was seventeen nineteen games in a row, something ridiculous. And. I think he's going to be a late second day, early third day draft pick in the NFL, and I think he can stick around. He'll be on a team. If he gets on the right team and a quarterback gets hurt, he can step in there and you know do what Brock Purdy has done if he lands on the right team. I don't think you say, we're going to go draft Stetson Bennett and making him our starter. He's just not that type of guy. But do I think he could be successful in the NFL? Yes, I do. As for TCU, obviously, like I said yesterday, it sucks because they're going to be known for 65-7. It was the worst loss in not only national championship game history, but it's the worst bowl loss anybody has ever suffered ever in college football, 58 points. So I feel bad for them, but they're building a really good program in Fort Worth. I don't know if you know this, but three people, three players from Alabama have transferred to TCU already in the offseason entered the portal, and they're going to TCU. That's a big deal because if you get somebody from Alabama, and not just one and not just two, but three players from Alabama, when in, when in anybody's past would Alabama players consider transferring to TCU? That's what a good season like this can do. I think they have the 17th-ranked recruiting class, which is the highest in the history of the school. They're working on like a $40 million renovation to – their athletic facilities. I'm not saying they're going to make the national championship next year, but with the with the playoffs going to a 12-team format in 2024, don't think you're not going to see TCU, I would say, fairly consistently at least making uh, the playoff. I think they're that good, and I think, I think so highly of Sonny Dykes and what he's built there that with Oklahoma and Texas bolting to the SEC – that's two less big boys they have to deal with. TCU, I think, is going to be one of the top 
two or three programs every year in the Big 12 once Oklahoma and Texas leave. And you win that, you're in. You, know, you win your Big 12, you're automatically into the playoff. So uh, in, when, when the 12-team format hits. And I don't think them getting blown out is some sort of referendum to let's end this, let's not go to 12 teams. Look, we went to we have four teams, and the championship game was a 58-point blowout. Yes, I'm very well aware that there have been 27 college football semifinals and finals since they started the college football 14 playoff in 2014, and 19 of them have been by three touchdowns or more. I'm very well aware of that. There have been a lot of blowouts. That doesn't mean you take away the chance that more teams go because, remember, when they go to a 12-team playoff, the first four seeds get buys. So it's not like one is going to play 12, which would have meant like Georgia would have had to play. I don't know who the 12th seed would have been in, in this format. But a team they probably would have blown out. And that's not the case. Georgia's still going to end up playing probably, uh, you know, the number one seed is going to play, you know, the 5-12 winner. I can't remember if they're thinking of reseeding or not, but even if they have to play the lowest remaining seed, even if they have to play the eighth seed, no, they would play the eighth seed, I'm sorry, in the in the quarterfinals, um, it'd be a 1-8 game. Okay, but I mean, Georgia and Alabama are just so far ahead of everybody else, they're on a different level. So there's going to be blowouts, we get it. But just because TCU lost by 58 points does not mean we should change the format again. It's going to 12 teams, it's all set for 2024, I just hope they kind of rethink things and are just like, you know, we don't have to, you know, let a group of five, in, I, I, you know, stuff we've talked about before. So uh, we'll get into that more uh, as we move forward. But uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts due to this new podcast. We definitely want to get some ratings in there and some reviews and tell me what you think and tell me if you like it and uh, we'll keep this thing going so thank you very much for listening i really appreciate it and remember sports will always be the greatest reality show on television see you